and Wapi fam. What's going on? This is Hector Santi Esteban and I am your host and I've spent much of the last half decade producing and promoting podcasts and I get way too geeked up about talking about the things that do and do not work when it comes to marketing and monetizing your podcast. And on today's show, we're going to talk with David Salib and he is the founder of Momento.fm. It's an app that originally started out to help podcasters create, uh, make it easy for them to, to take notes and to really kind of capture the best parts of podcasting. So I love that. But in in addition to the listener part of it, they've also just launched the creator part of their app to help podcasters do some really cool things with repurposing and show notes. And we get into it uh, all. And, and more than that, even if you're not looking into their app or you, you don't not going to use their app, I think we really talk about some great things about how to make moments and, and what makes a memorable part of a podcast. So stick around, get your notebooks ready. Let's get into our interview with David Salib. David, welcome to the NYP show, man. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, man. Great to be here. David, let's jump right in because what I really, and I've said this on the show a number of times, but I'm a creator, but I'm not an inventor. I'm not a developer. or I don't have the ability to create amazing products. And we were just showing me before we hit record on how you've built a tool that, I mean, basically kind of replaces my job, which is kind of exciting and scary all at the same time. But you've done a great job building a tool. Can you give us the backstory behind Memento and maybe a little bit about the why and how you guys got to this point so far? Yeah, totally. My brother and I have been listening to podcasts for the last 10 years. And we listen to them like all different contexts, walking, driving, running. And I think we have found so much joy in learning so much from so many different kinds of podcasts, like entertainment, sports, etc. And what we kind of realized is that a lot of people are not getting as much value out of podcasts as they could because they don't know about all the podcasts out there. And then the further you dive into this, you realize that, like just podcast discovery is this problem that everyone faces. And most people are listening to like, one to five podcasts more usually like one to three and we just felt there's something we can do here with the goal of like let's get listeners to more podcasts and podcasts to more listeners so two three years ago we started on a podcast app it's like let's pick an app that makes it really easy to discover the content did a bunch of stuff there it's super cool you can take notes and transcribe and discover clips i think it's super fun and what we realized in the process is the bigger problem or another part of the problem especially is on the podcaster side the podcasters ones who can't reach the audience and not everyone's going to use our app but what everyone is using is social they're posting they're sharing word of mouth needs to grow and podcasting you know i've heard you talk about this on the show like it's a very oftentimes a very traditional marketing problem and that's where we went into space like well, how can we help podcasters really quickly get their podcast out on every platform really efficiently and reach all those people who are interested in all the different parts of their podcast yeah, it is really a traditional marketing problem. And I think that that's why I've enjoyed it so much. And I, I boast that I'm like a podcast marketer, but all I'm doing is just applying all of the other principles and all the books I've learned in learning how to market anything else and applying it to podcasting. And you're right that the challenges are the same. And one of the solutions that has been almost played out but what I'm excited about is that with YouTube Shorts is having this resurgence, and that is like repurposed clips. You were actually showing me some work that your app did from an episode with Grant Telek about repurposing content. And before that episode, I had really gone bearish on repurposing content, mostly because of the time that it took and the return that you were getting from some of these platforms at the time, like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. But one of the tools that Memento Studio, which you're now releasing at Podcast Movement, and the same right around the same time this episode is going to come out, is Memento Studio. 
and what that does really to assist with that. I don't know, maybe you can fill in the gaps here, but you know, a big part of that studio is helping with repurposing content. Can you talk a little bit about what the tool does, why you guys thought that that was important to build in and and kind of why that's one of the primary features of it? Yeah, I'd love to take a step back and just talk about why a podcast is maybe a little bit harder to market than a lot of other things. When you take a piece of audio that's 30 minutes long or an hour long, sometimes more, it's very hard to quickly get a sense of what that piece of audio is about. It's very hard to know that at minute 45, there's a great topic. It's very hard to summarize the 100 topics that are going to be discussed in that podcast with one headline. So today, we just we depend on a title, a thumbnail, and description to get a sense of what the podcast is about. But that's not what people really talk about when they share a podcast. They're like, oh, there's this great part of this podcast with Joe Rogan where they talk about this. And with audio, even if I share that clip on Instagram, just put that audio there, people are going to scroll right by that. It's not approachable. Audio in, in its long form, without the visuals, without the text, it's just not very discoverable. So taking a step towards what Momento Studio does, it's like, well, we need to create something that makes it easy for podcasters to share parts of their podcast and make it really efficient, really quick, and reach all the different audiences that would be interested. And I think the, the other part of that is that a podcast could have 100 topics. And topic one, two, and three might not be interesting to somebody, but topic five is interesting to somebody. So if you can take your podcast and post all five or all 10 topics that are interesting and put that on social, and then the social algorithms can pick that up and push it to all the different people based on what that moment's about, I think that's where we can kind of really solve the like podcasting marketing problem right now. Yeah, it really is. You hit on a great point and something I talk about with clients and when we're talking about why is YouTube so important? Why is pulling these clips important? And we talk about that exact thing that the headline addresses one topic, but within that, it's probably why you called it memento. Within that episode, there are these moments that stand out that you're right, the critical and the important parts. And yeah, it it helps so much with podcasters because so much of the value is locked up in that audio, in that MP3. And what we're talking about is kind of bringing that value to these other platforms where people are hanging out. What do you think about the need for podcasters to, like, why can't a podcaster just create great content and create an awesome podcast? And that's enough to create a successful show. Or is it? I think both are important. I think the bad podcasts can't go viral. So the content's important, the questions, the interviews, all that's important. That's table stakes. But that alone won't get your audience. If people have short attention spans, there's so much content being thrown at them. I think the big part of it is a podcast is a lot of commitment. People are scared to commit to a new podcast. It's episodes, there's like, it's an hour long. It's not like a five minute YouTube video. Like just check out. There's a the feeling out process for a podcast. Exactly. It's like meeting somebody and be like, just meet them on the street. It's like, hey, let's go have coffee right now. It's like, oh, I, I want to get to know you a little bit before we go and spend some time together, right? Podcasts are even a bit like intimate that way. So I think you could have the greatest podcast ever made. But if people can't get exposed to it and they can't have their interest peak, there's always this moment with anything in life where it's like, well, that's interesting. I want to spend some more time on that. And I think podcasting uh, right now, it's just hard to get that moment to organically happen. And uh, that's why finding ways to make that happen. That's why word of mouth is so powerful for podcasting right now. Because someone basically intros you. It's like, hey, here's this podcast. I think you should check it out. And then people kind of move into it. What else is there to say? At this point, is it worth talking about how to find a good clip? Because we talked about before we started recording that one of the challenges I have in our in our production with our production company is we try and help them with the repurposing clips and we'll create the clips and do all that stuff. But a lot of times we've worked and we try to outsource it and 
they just don't bring back good clips. They're not good. This is not relevant. This is not the critical moment. And so is it worth talking about what makes a good moment in an episode? That's important. Maybe that is. Or is it more important to talk about AI and how they are going about finding these moments and, and why we can kind of lean on them to at least get us started, right? At least give us some options to pick from. What do you think is more relevant? I think your first question is very interesting because what makes a good moment is a very subjective question. Even it's like food. Like what makes a good meal? What makes a good pasta? And let's say a specific podcast has a hundred moments. Which one is, which ones of the hundred are good? What I would suggest is that different moments of those hundred are good for different people. For some people, a really interesting point on philosophy is interesting. And for some other people, like a good joke in the middle is what's going to get them. So at the core of it, the, there's probably a good chunk of moments. A lot of people would agree. These are good moments. They're interesting. But the thing that would get someone into a podcast probably different. And I think that's where you want to post or you want to share more than just like one or two moments of your podcast. So you can reach all the different kinds of people that are out there. and that question is a hard one to solve. It's almost like a scale question. Ideally, you, you take all 100 moments, you post them all on like TikTok or YouTube, and you let YouTube do the job of what it does really well or TikTok. You'd be like, hey, I know that this person likes this kind of stuff. I know that there's this moment. Let's pair those two together. And I think that maybe is how we get a bit closer. Well, how do you do that discovery? And how do you make it really efficient to grab all those moments to share them out so you can reach all those? Things? It releases some of the burden because you're now not just trying to find that one or two or even three clips, because that's like, that was a challenge. How do we find the three best clips? Well, if we can create 30 in the same amount of time that it takes three, well, we have 27 more chances at the basket and leveraging the algorithms to kind of do this work. Now, obviously there are some quality things and so maybe you don't use all 30, but my point is that now you can really accelerate or kind of turbocharge your own efforts really, which I think is what we're talking about. Yeah, totally. So what about the second part of it? And I think a lot of people have seen those ads where they're like, let AI write your posts and the robot will be your social media thing. And it's like, I've clicked on and signed up for some of them and then been, well, this did not work. What I was really intrigued by, though, is before we got started, you showed me some stuff and some ways that the studio can kind of write show notes for you. And it can kind of write a summary. It can create the chapters. It can do all these, these little things that take time. But what I was impressed by was like, oh, what our writers would come. Like, that's not far off of what our writers would write. There was a few things that we laughed about. And so obviously, is it going to be perfect all the time? Like, I don't think that people should expect that. But how has that progressed. So let's talk about this. But what I want to come back and talk to you about is the importance of SEO. But while we're just here and kind of while I just went on that riff, why don't you share a little bit about how you guys are writing, like to somebody who goes, yeah, but it's just AI. I've tried those things. They're not going to work. Like, what say you to that, that skeptic? Yeah, totally. AI is really good at specific problems. So you give an AI a specific problem to solve, it's really good at doing pattern matching. I've seen a lot of this before. I can do this again. And the cool thing with podcasts is we have so many transcripts, so many titles, so many podcast descriptions. But the AI is like, well, I've seen the podcasts that get the most listens. I've seen the posts that get the most views. I can take this specific piece of content, which is a podcast, look through it, take the content, like, yeah. AI can just pull that out and figure out what would be most effective. So I think what makes AI more interesting when you apply it to a specific problem is that 
specific problems have specific patterns and specific patterns are reproducible in a way that can achieve specific results. And that's where you get some real power in the podcast space. That totally makes sense because it's a much actually smaller, more narrow sample size as opposed to these other ones that are just crawling everything, right? They're, you're, they're trying to write a good social media post. And so I could see why that actually makes a lot of sense. So let's go to one thing that I think is a big kind of hidden strategy that I can't quite prove out yet. But one of the things that we really focus on with all of our shows is writing good show notes. And we do it from a accessibility perspective. We want someone to be able to click onto our feed, click on the episode, scan the description, have a thorough idea of what they're going to expect and enough for them to want to make a decision whether or not this is an episode that they want to listen to. Now, I think that helps for the listenership where I also think it helps that I cannot, I've yet to prove out is in the SEO benefits of having some thoroughly written show notes because the big players aren't always indexing all of those things to the highest level, but I think that they can't, but not help in terms of feeding the engines that are feeding these search queries. So all that to say, the first tool that you showed me was in repurposing content. The second tool that you showed me was in writing good show notes. Why was that another area that you thought was worth kind of building into the tools? One of the things that is interesting about the podcast space is that it's distributed across so many different platforms. There's no YouTube for podcasts. There's you've got Spotify, Apple, you have smart speakers. There's so many different places where podcasts are consumed which means there's only a few pieces of data that are truly spread and distributed across all the platforms consistently. Here be title, thumbnail, description, and then the audio. That's pretty much the only thing you can guarantee an app would really show or some kind of platform would display. You're basically like, duh, Hector, this is the only parts of the podcast. No, totally. I mean, I would imagine most people make most of their decision on the podcast based on the title, maybe the thumbnail, maybe the first two or three sentences of the description. I'd say the most important thing is probably getting the first two or three sentences right. But then the rest of it could maybe get that like last 20 or 30% that's kind of in the middle. Like, well, should I listen to this or not? What's mentioned in this podcast? What kind of things would I learn? Having shown us that are like succinct, catchy, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's to be determined. And I'd love to, and if you have a study, I'd love to read it on what percentage of people read show notes or read the description before choosing which podcast to listen to. But at least for that audience, um, having something that describes your podcast well can only help, uh, can definitely take them over the edge. Like, well, let me check this one out. Yeah, well, totally. And to clarify for the listener, I don't know that a new listener is necessarily going to be looking at episode show notes necessarily. And so I think that description kind of plays a role in that as well. But one thing that I think is not as talked about is getting current listeners and current quote unquote followers of the show to actually listen. Because what I think is is missed in this space is that downloads are an empty number because you're not actually sure who's actually consuming it. And if they are, how much are they actually listening? And so I guess my point in saying that is that these small little marginal things that you can get to even get your current listeners to consume more of your episodes, all these things are going to have you know, an aggregate effect on just how much your show is having an impact, whether that's through downloads or whatever it is that you're trying to drive to. I would also add that I think show notes are, my hypothesis is that show notes are more powerful for the smaller podcasts and the larger podcasts. When Joe Rogan posts an episode, I bet he could write nothing in his show notes and the same number of people would listen to it. If you're a small podcast, 
people are going to be more curious. They're going to put a bit more work, a bit more research to what this is about. And I think maybe for the smaller than mid-sized podcasts, the, the descriptions, the show notes could really help them. Totally. All these small little things, right, definitely go a long way. One thing that I thought was also really cool was I have tried to scroll less on social media because I find that it does not do a whole lot for my life and read more Kindle. And so when I'm just, I put got it on my phone and I have it all around the house. I have different, just some Kindle, so I, I scroll less. But one thing that I really enjoy about the, reading the Kindle is, especially from outside from like a physical book, is when you see the areas that other people have highlighted. It's like a lot of people thought this was a good part of the book. And a lot of times there are times that I already took note of. Sometimes where I'm like, I didn't think that that was an important thing. And it kind of sparked some curiosity. It's like, okay, maybe there is something here. And similarly, I don't know if that's public on the app, if you can kind of see other people's moments. But from the creator studio side, at least what you're showing me is that you could see these different moments that the listener was kind of marking and was saving. And so uh, I think that that gives so much to the podcaster to actually see what are their, not only what episodes are they listening to, because that's all we can really look to right now is what is our most popular episode? Okay, we can kind of deduce from that what they like. But if you can go into the individual moments that they're actually gaining from value from and resonating with, I think it takes it to a different level. So you want to, was I wrong on that? Or maybe you can just share a little bit about why you guys did that or how that works? Yeah, I think you're on the ball on that. I'll give it a context for listeners who are not fully introduced like the Memento ecosystem. Memento has two sides to it. There's a listener app and there's a podcaster studio. The listener app to date has had a few hundred thousand moments saved on it by listeners listening to podcasts. What that does, and, and the reason they're saving the moments is for their own purposes. So just like you highlight on Kindle, you highlight because you want to save something for later. With a podcast, it's traditionally been really hard to save a part of a, of a podcast because you're driving, you're running, there's just no way to, if you will, you'll pull out your phone and type it out. But you're not going to do that while you're driving. At least most people would hope that you wouldn't. So when you're with Memento, the listener app does make that really easy. But then the byproduct of that is that podcasters get a lot of data. I'm like, whoa, I know that minute 32 was super interesting or everyone seemed to save the moment at like 50. So with, you mentioned the point like getting the best moments and that like, the get knowing where a podcast is most highlighted similar to kindle that's beneficial for the moments and repurposing and all that but it's also really interesting analytics right and i think something that i'm curious podcasters will leverage is if you know that a specific five minute section was super interesting could you go back now and make a follow-up episode it's like well let's talk about this topic more or let's do more of this or let's do less of this the analytics side is, is also an interesting part for the memento kind of ecosystem yeah, it's one of the reasons that I actually enjoy YouTube. As much as I don't enjoy video and the extra work that comes along creating video, I really enjoy the analytics that YouTube gives you. And obviously it comes, it happens because it's in a centralized place, but you can really see at what time people fall off or what areas spiked with activity. I mean, they kind of give you all of this data to be able to improve your show. And so, so many podcasters are flying blind. And I think that any tool that can give them a step up, whether it's by saving them some time and kind of basically scouring all of the podcasts and knowing what's good in terms of show notes and clips and stuff like that, and just kind of speeding up the time or helping with discoverability, I think like those things are so important. Is there anything else that you think is relevant or important that you guys are trying to do with regards to podcasters? I think 
podcasting, if, if you look at it, it's like three stages. There's like a pre-production, there's a recording space, and there's like a post-production. And it is a creative space, right? It's a space where you're either doing interviews, journalism, storytelling. So you're fighting and you're, you're not fighting, you're creating a space that dependent on virality, it's dependent on attention, it's dependent on interest. At the core of it, I think when it comes to podcasting, any tools that are created, anything that people make, they're all going to be add-ons to the core part of it, which is what's your podcast and how good is it and what are you doing with it? But I think there's also like podcasting today, unlike any other platform or any other media form, is just hindered by the way it gets spread and the way it gets shared. And I think that might get fixed in the next few years, depending on how the industry changes. But at least for now, I think it'd be interesting to see if, if we can remove that false negative. If like your podcast doesn't have to die after 10 episodes, just because nobody heard of it, because just telling your friends and getting other doesn't really help. So not a direct answer to your question. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, we've got a lot to figure out. I mean, I think that as a podcast industry, if, if it wants to stay podcasting and be separate from any other form of creatorship, right? Otherwise, the way that I'm kind of just seeing it in my head is we're moving to this creator space where there's no, I mean, people are calling video shows on YouTube are getting called podcasts and without even being a podcast. And there's people who say, no, I have a podcast when no, they have a, they have a YouTube show. And so like that line is kind of dissolving. I'm not romantic about podcasting and it being audio and RSS and all this kind of stuff. What I know will continue is that there will be an opportunity for people to, who have a message, who have something they want to share to go out there and create. And assuming that we don't have any major world order changes, that there's going to be a certain ability of freedom for people to create and the mediums are going to shift. We're going to be living in AR worlds or VR. Like the mediums are going to shift. But like you said, how good is your show? What are you doing with it? Like those are the things that it really comes down to. I actually have a question for you. With the podcast that you consult with and, and help grow and figure out strategies, how often do you see this, this challenges distribution? How often is it like recording problems? Like how do you see the rank challenges for podcast growth right now? It's all stages, right? It's all most of the time at the beginning. It's all about visibility, promotion, external driving other people to the show. And for percentage's sake, let's say it's 80% promotion and distribution, 20% quality, right? Because you're even just working with, with lower numbers here. The larger shows, what we've seen is that as the show is more established, by improving things like quality, by improving things like even format, by improving show length, by actually going and starting to work on some of the more foundational and fundamental things, we've seen those things move the needle just as much as, if not more, than expensive promotional campaigns. And maybe that makes sense, maybe it doesn't, but that's what we found is that we started to do and plan out all of these expensive, highly elaborate and uh, labor-intensive campaigns. And these are for more established shows that I'm talking about. And we did those and they worked. And we kind of ran a case study where on this one, we're going to spend a bunch of money because we had some money to spend. So we're going to do all these things that we can do to spend money. And on this side, we're just going to make the show better. 
we're just going to like improve the show because we didn't have the funds on that side to kind of throw around in terms of like traditional or not traditional, but paid advertising. And the interesting thing was, is that both of them grew about the same. Like on the one show that we had a lot of marketing budget with, we didn't have as much control over the, the show and the formatting and the host was kind of doing their own thing and they were going to do what they were going to do. It was our job to get as many eyeballs on what they were doing. And so that works and there are a variety of ways. And then there was this other side where we really had a lot of buy-in from the hosts on what can we do to improve listener experience? What can we do to improve the show? How can we create content that is not only going to show up in the search, that's going to show up search-wise, but also content that people are that's social worthy, right? There's kind of two things that, that happen, right? You have content that is people are searching for and they're in that kind of phase. And then you have people that are, that's more built for interruptive kind of instances. And so, but interestingly enough, now when I look at it, one show started out bigger than the other. So the numbers are bigger, but relatively speaking, they've both grown about the same. All that as a long answer to you to say that I think it's about kind of doing what you can Newer shows should definitely focus more on distribution and promotion. And we, I've seen this in a couple instances where a more established show can kind of lean on their audience base. And by getting their current audience to listen more, that actually helps them in the algorithm and triggers the charts and the rankings. So they actually are able to kind of leverage their current audience to build on and get more listeners. So that's kind of how we've looked at it that comparison between marketing and like show quality, it, it reminded me of something in my not too distant previous life. I worked in software product management and when you have a product, um, sometimes you can think of like some of the levers or some of the goals you're trying to achieve is like it's acquisition and there's retention and there's things that come together to make that all happen. Now on the acquisition side, it's like, well, how do you let people know about your product and how do you get people to convert to listen? So it's like, I need to let people know about it. Then I got to get people to, decide to press play in the podcast world. And then there's a retention world where are they going to come back? And so in one side, the promotion marketing can explode your acquisition. You could get so many people listening to your podcast or at least going to the podcast page. Then on the retention side, if the content's not good, the quality is not good, it's not interesting, you lose them. You have that leaky funnel. But then there's also an interesting third part to the cycle, which is referral, which is does your content encourage people to share it with other people? And those are the, maybe it's interesting to look at a podcast with those three levels. Do you need to improve your acquisition? That's really a lot of like marketing discovery. Do you need to improve your retention? Is it the content, the quality? Or do you need to improve your referral? And I think the referral would be heavily impacted by the quality and the content. That's the reason people would want to share it out more often. But I, and I think that's, interesting, that's an interesting analogy in my head from the software and product world to the podcast world. Yeah, totally. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I've modeled a lot of that. I've done some... In an, previous life as well, we did some SaaS marketing and I've modeled a lot of it because it is similar in the sense of a SaaS is it's a habit that you're trying to build. And similarly with a podcast, you're trying to build that same kind of habit to come back week after week or even day after day. Totally. David, this has been fun. Memento.fm. I had to spell it. I misspelled it the first time, but I think because I was thinking about that movie. It's Memento.fm. You got a great domain. I don't know how you pulled that off, but M-O-M-E-N-T-O.fm. We mentioned that there is a app for listeners, so you can actually listen to podcasts, take notes. 
can use it to do that. They actually just had a cool, we didn't even get to talk about their cool integration with Notion. So they've got some cool, some cool integration on that side. And then releasing this week is Memento Studio as well, right? Yeah, we'll be in beta in September. I love it. Is there anything else, any other places that people should go or anything else you want to remind people of before we get out of here? No, I think that Memento.fm, please reach out if you're in that space. We're doing our beta testing and this September 2022, people are listening in the future. And I'm excited to see what we can do. Also, I've been following you, Hector, for a while, and it's been great chatting with you. So keep up the great stuff. It's uh, always great reading what you post. Thanks, man. I'm excited. And look out for some tutorials on this. We'll probably dig in as this thing gets released. We'll probably dig in and give you guys some tutorials because I'm already seeing how on our side it's going to save us a ton of time. And for you guys, it could really either help you to, to start taking your both show notes and your repurposing to what I would call a premium level, or that's something that we've tried to do is be the best in class. And I'm like, shoot, this app is just replacing us, which I think is great. It's fantastic. So look out for some tutorials on that and we'll come down the line as well. Otherwise, go and follow me on Twitter. David, is there anywhere on social that you are active? Yeah, totally. We're on Twitter, Memento underscore FM, and I'm on Twitter as well, David Sleeve underscore. You can definitely reach me there. But yeah, I'd love to hear from people. And we thank you for being part of the fam. We'll see you guys next week.